Hey, American Hauntings listeners, it's Troy. Need more American Hauntings in your life? You know you do. So why not check out our other podcast, the alternate show that we do for our Patreon supporters only. It comes out every other week, opposite this one, which means you get our special kind of murder, mystery, mayhem, and the macabre every single week. Right now, we're in the middle of a season called Sinister, the true story of H.H. Holmes, the infamous serial killer linked to the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. But of course, that's not all there is to his twisting, turning, and depraved story. So check it out. Get that new episode every week and be a part of American Hauntings by becoming a Patreon supporter and signing up at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. And now, on with the show. Throughout this season, we've followed the stories of a lot of people who've gone missing. More people than we've had episodes, in fact. And when one person goes missing, we found that sometimes there are valid reasons for that. There are people running from debts, from bad marriages, or simply because they wanted a new life. There are others who suffer injuries or from mental illness who find themselves far away from their homes and loved ones. And of course, there are often crimes involved, kidnappings or killings, leading to mysteries so strange they're simply never solved. But as we found in other cases, when three people go missing at the same time, alarm bells are definitely going to ring, which is what happened in June of 1992. It was on June 6th of that year when two Missouri teenagers and one of their mothers vanished without a trace after a graduation ceremony and have never been seen again. There was no valid reason for the three of them to disappear. They weren't running from anything or looking for a new life. They just celebrated the event of a lifetime and had everything to live for. So where did the three of them go? And why have they never been found? We don't know. The shocking and tragic events of graduation night have created a haunting mystery that remains unsolved to this day. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to our latest season, Gone, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. Since the start of American history, our nation has been plagued by tragic events, strange occurrences, and with mysteries that cannot be explained, just like those disappearances we've been featuring this season. For our seventh go-around, we have opened the files of people who have gone missing and have vanished without a trace, never to be seen again. These have been stories of heartbreak, tragedy, and despair. They've been bizarre, unexpected, and yeah, often they seem impossible. And yet they did happen. Every one of the people who have been part of this season walked into oblivion and they just have never returned. Every one of their cases remains open. Every mystery is unsolved and each story ends with no real conclusion. You see, every one of these people is simply gone. And as we near the end of the season, I think you'll find we've saved some of the most baffling tales until now, like this one, episode 21, which tells the strange story of three women who have been dubbed the Springfield Three. It was a day they'd always remember. The world, as they say, 
seemed to be their oyster. It was 1992 in Springfield, located in the southwest corner of Missouri. It was a time of big blowout hair, mullets, scrunchies, tracksuits, baggy jeans, and Motley Crue. It was also the same year that grunge music and Doc Martin started taking Seattle by storm, but Nirvana and Pearl Jam were going to take a while to get to Southwest Missouri. But no one was thinking about that on June 6th. Best friends Suzanne Susie Streeter, 19, and Stacy McCall, 18, had just graduated from Kickapoo High School, and they spent the evening celebrating with friends. They were undoubtedly in high spirits as they left the last of their parties around 2 a.m. They initially planned to drop in at their friend Janelle Kirby's house, but it was too crowded. So they decided to go back to Susie's house, which she shared with her mother, Cheryl Levitt, a 47-year-old cosmetologist, and stay there for the rest of the night. Cheryl was probably happy to see them. Her night had been quiet. She'd been on the phone with a friend talking about painting furniture till about 11.15 p.m. What happened after their arrival remains a chilling puzzle. Since all of Susie and Stacy's belongings were later found at Cheryl's house, purses, clothes, makeup, the whole works, it was assumed they did make it there. Their cars were also in the driveway, which is kind of a giveaway, but as it would turn out, Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl disappeared at some point between 2 a.m. and 8 a.m. on June 7th. A group of graduating friends all planned to go to the Whitewater Water Park that day, but when Susie and Stacy didn't show up at Janelle Kirby's house that morning, she and her boyfriend, thinking their friends had overslept, stopped by the Levitt house to pick them up. When Janelle and her boyfriend arrived at the house, they saw the women's cars parked in the driveway, but when they knocked on the door, no one answered. They did notice that the porch light was broken, so they swept up the glass, trying to be helpful but unknowingly contaminating the crime scene. Janelle checked the door and found it unlocked. She'd been over to Susie and Cheryl's house hundreds of times, so she didn't hesitate to go inside. And in there, everything seemed normal. There were no signs of any kind of trouble. It was as neat and clean as it always was. The only odd thing was the way the family dog, Cinnamon, was behaving. The little terrier seemed very agitated. And while Janelle went to see if her friends were still asleep, her boyfriend calmed and petted the dog. Well, Janelle returned quickly. There was no one home. It was like they just walked away, but to where? Their cars were still there. It was just Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl who were gone. Just before they left, the telephone rang. Janelle answered it. The caller didn't identify himself, but began making lewd comments. So Janelle hung up, assuming it was just a prank call. But the man called again. When the pair left the house, confused by what they'd seen, but they weren't overly distressed. Well, not yet, anyway. It wouldn't be realized that something was seriously wrong until several hours later when Stacy's mother, Janice McCall, arrived at the Levitt home. She tried to call, but there was no answer, so she'd driven over. She hadn't heard from her daughter since early the previous evening, and she was getting concerned. Janice knocked, but there was no answer, so like Janelle and her boyfriend, she went inside. The house was empty, so she looked around and found Stacy's belongings. Her daughter's underwear and t-shirt were the only things missing, but the rest of her clothes were neatly folded on a chair. It looked like both girls had removed their makeup in the bathroom the night before. Oddly, Janice also found all three of the missing women's purses were lined up on the floor outside of Susie's room. 
The television was on, and Janice saw there was a message flashing on the answering machine. When she tried to listen to it, she accidentally deleted it. It could have been a clue to the disappearances, but it wasn't like the voicemails we have now. Back then, messages, well, they couldn't be recovered. She was now convinced that something was wrong. It had been 16 hours since the three women had been seen. Janice and her husband decided to contact the police. But despite Janice's call and a follow-up reminder, the police didn't arrive at the house until the following day. By then, multiple people had entered the house to look for the three women, possibly contaminating the crime scene as they tried to figure out what had happened. Well, Janice decided to make missing persons flyers, which had the faces of the three women on it, and she put them up all over town. The media seemed more interested than the police at first, and they were the ones who dubbed the women the Springfield Three. When the police finally started delving into the case, they began putting together a timeline, establishing that the disappearance had occurred between 2 and 8 a.m. There were no signs of a struggle at the scene, apart from the broken porch light bulb, and none of the neighbors reported seeing or hearing anything suspicious. There seemed to be no evidence of anything at all. All three women had a car and all were at the house. Cheryl's blue Corsica was in the carport. Susie's red Escort and Stacy's Corolla were in the driveway. The keys to all three cars were in the house. Their clothes were still there. The purses, while strangely lined up, still had money and belongings in them. There was even an untouched graduation cake in the refrigerator. Cheryl's bed looked like it had been slept in. A book was turned over on the nightstand, ready to start reading again. A pair of Stacy's shorts were next to Susie's waterbed. And since no other clothes seemed to be missing, she had to have vanished in just a t-shirt and her underwear. Janice McCall managed to distribute more than 20,000 missing posters throughout the area. The police logged 5,200 tips in the case and polygraph tests were given to dozens of people. Officials and volunteers searched woods, fields, and remote areas throughout the Ozarks, and inquiries were made in 21 states. Even the FBI joined the investigation, but they fared no better than the local police. An image of a transient was printed and passed around the area as a possible person of interest, and there was also a photo of a retouched Dodge van that was seen near the home on June 7th. The van became important after a witness claimed to see Susie driving the van after the women had disappeared. They claimed to also overhear a male voice from the van telling her not to do anything stupid. Another witness reported seeing the van with a blonde female driver at a local grocery store and was suspicious enough about it to write down the license plate number on a newspaper. Unfortunately, though, the paper was lost before he contacted the authorities. Well, the hunt for the three women was relentless. The police logged 1,632 hours of overtime in the case during the first 10 days alone. They were initially sure the missing transient was involved or that the disappearance was connected to something from Cheryl's past. Well, on June 24th, a new lead came from a waitress who claimed the three women had been at George's Steakhouse on the morning they disappeared sometime around 3 a.m. The witness said that Susie seemed to be drunk and her mother was trying to calm her down. The sighting, though, was never confirmed. With the investigation stalling out, it was featured on the show America's Most Wanted, and that generated 29 calls to police. One of them stood out among the rest. 
A caller told police he had hard information about the disappearances, but the man got spooked when a detective asked for his name and he hung up. The authorities made a public appeal asking him to get back in touch, but never heard from him again. Another television show, 48 Hours, shadowed the police for weeks as they investigated the case, showing officers searching and sifting through the many possible leads, but nothing led to any kind of angle they could work, and the case went from chilly to downright cold. Five years after the women vanished, the Springfield Police Department announced it could no longer justify the money being spent on the investigation, and it was placed on a back burner. It wasn't officially closed, but it certainly wasn't being actively worked anymore. While the case was the most active, a number of possible suspects emerged. In addition to the transient it was never found, some surmise that the women had fallen victim to a serial killer, even though no definite name was ever revealed. At one point, the police did search a farm and found some items of interest, but never revealed any information about the search to the public. Most of the suspects were eventually cleared, but not all of them, leading many to wonder if whoever kidnapped and likely killed the three women was still out there somewhere, getting away with murder. The first suspect that police investigated was Cheryl's ne'er-do-well son, Bart Streeter. The young man had a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol, and neither had much to do with him. They tried everything to help him already, but he couldn't stay out of trouble. Well known to the cops, they looked at him immediately, but Bart had a solid alibi that both his girlfriend and a neighbor confirmed. He also passed a polygraph test, so investigators removed him from the suspect list. As a side note, Bart was arrested in Smyrna, Tennessee in February 2019, on drunk and disorderly charges, so he apparently never really got that under control. He was also accused of walking into a nail salon business and claiming to be the grandfather of a 15-year-old female customer at the salon, saying he was there to pick her up. The girl didn't know him and refused to go with him, so the salon owner called the police. Although Bart's attorney admitted his client was drunk when the incident occurred, he said that the salon owner exaggerated what had happened. Regardless, the police in Springfield did re-examine Bart's involvement in the 1992 disappearance, but once more, they ruled him out. Authorities also questioned Susie's ex-boyfriend, Dustin Reckla. He turned out to be proof she didn't have really great taste in men. He was a drug user with a criminal history and had connections to the Galloping Goose Motorcycle Club, a group with a known history of violence. He'd also been recently arrested, along with friends Michael Clay and Joseph Rydell, for vandalizing a cemetery mausoleum, or more specifically, opening coffins to steal gold teeth from the mouths of the dead. Rydell had even sold some of the teeth at a local pawn shop. Well, Susie had reported them to the police and was supposed to testify against them soon after she disappeared. She and her mother had both been threatened. So the motive for Dustin and the others to be involved in the disappearance seemed clear. It seemed like they had taken the women or had the motorcycle gang do it for them. And they got revenge against the women for turning on them. Except it's really not that simple. In December of 1992, Rydell turned state's witness. And no one murdered him or made him disappear. At the end of the whole mess, the only punishment the three got for robbing graves was probation. 
By all accounts, Reckla and Clay cooperated with the police during the investigation into the missing women. Generally, people don't get kidnapped and murdered over a crime that only results in probation, particularly when all three people involved were cooperative. It is possible, though, that Susie's involvement with this criminal element, you know, running around with Dustin and Reckla, did expose her to another person that was involved in the disappearance, either because they were violent or connected in some way to sex trafficking. But I do find it unlikely that Reckla and the others would risk spending the rest of their lives in prison over a crime that resulted in nothing but probation. Well, another possible suspect is a criminal and predator named Gerald Carnahan. At the time of the disappearances, his family owned Springfield Aluminum, an aluminum foundry in the area, and he had a long suspected history of preying on local women, including a woman named Jackie Johns, who'd been raped and murdered in 1985. But it wouldn't be until 2010 that Carnahan was convicted of that crime. It had gone unsolved for 25 years because of lack of evidence tying Carnahan to the scene. But prosecutors using new technology finally did it, using a tiny amount of DNA that he'd left behind. If this seems familiar, it should. The disappearance of Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl became notorious for the lack of evidence at the crime scene. You have to wonder if the lack of evidence in the Jackie Johns case was dumb luck or if it represented a pattern for a serial predator who managed to leave very little behind. We do know, however, that Carnahan's rape and murder of Jackie Johns was not an isolated incident. He'd already been convicted in 1993, after the Springfield Three disappearances, for the attempted kidnapping of a young woman. Prior to that, he pled guilty to burglary and arson in a separate case. Carnahan was a repeat offender, who had killed one woman that we know of seven years before Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl vanished, and he had a habit of preying on other women. It was definitely in the area when the three women went missing. But beyond this, there's no actual evidence to link him to the case. He was certainly capable of committing the crime, but his involvement is pure speculation. And part of that speculation is that he may have known Cheryl Levitt or even been in a relationship with her. But again, there's no real evidence of that. And Cheryl's surviving family members can't say for sure either way. The thing is, though, if he was involved and Cheryl was the target, wouldn't he have attacked her when she was alone and when there weren't two other women in the house? That would make more sense. Carnahan can't really be ruled out as a suspect, but he seems to be mixed up in the case only because of his past crime and because of rumors that have spread since his 2010 conviction. All we can hope that maybe a little bit of his DNA ends up being connected to the disappearances? Yeah, it seems likely after all this time that's going to happen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the police also toyed with the idea of the three women crossing paths with a serial killer. But during the investigation, no one was ever named. Since that time, though, one of the suspects often mentioned is Larry Dwayne Hall, a serial killer who often worked in tandem with his twin brother, Gary. While it's not clear if the Halls were in the Springfield area in June 1992, Larry has been linked to the murders of two young women, even though he's confessed to dozens more, some of which seem legit and some of which don't. Larry and Gary frequently traveled around the country at that time, especially around the Midwest, taking part in Civil War reenactments. They apparently collected victims along the way, 
breaking into women's homes, abducting, raping, torturing, and then killing them. Larry came to police attention after the discovery of a 15-year-old's remains in November 1993, and he was convicted of her kidnapping. He later confessed to that and an additional murder, though recanted his confessions of both crimes. Claiming that Gary never played an active role in his murders, Larry then went on to confess to more than 35 other murders and then recanted all those confessions too. But the authorities believed he could be responsible for the deaths and disappearances of between 40 and 50 young women, including possibly Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl. Springfield, Missouri was certainly within their killing area, and Susie and Stacy both matched his type of victim. Additionally, Larry owned a Dodge van that matched the one described by witnesses. If the sightings of this van were legitimate and were linked to the disappearance of the Springfield Three, and that's a pretty big if, then Larry and Gary Hall could certainly be considered suspects in the case. But there's an issue with this theory, too. Why would the Halls have been driving around Springfield, near where the abduction had taken place, after the women were taken and when at least one of them, according to the witness sightings, was still alive? That seems very risky, and it doesn't fit their usual M.O. While they did often keep the women so they could torture them before killing them, that they would drive around with them in broad daylight seems hard to believe especially since they'd gotten away with so many murders and were adept, at least for a while, at dodging and even taunting law enforcement. And is Larry still taunting them? Well, like many of Larry's suspected victims, the bodies of the Springfield Three have never been found. And even though most of his victims were abducted while alone, perhaps this time he and his brother changed things up and decided to take three women at one time. But we'll likely never know. Larry Hall is not a man inclined to tell the truth, and even if he did confess to the disappearances, we'd never know whether to believe him or not. For most of those with an interest in the case of the Springfield Three, there is one suspect who stands out more than any other. His name was Robert Craig Cox, and he was an ex-convict and U.S. Army veteran who had been arrested, convicted, and sentenced to death for a woman's murder in Florida. The case was overturned due to a lack of evidence, though, and he was released. Then in 1985, Cox was arrested and convicted in California for attempting to abduct two women. He was sentenced to nine years in prison, but his case was appealed and overturned in 1992 when a judge ruled that the evidence presented in his trial only gave the suspicion of guilt rather than proof of it. When he was released from prison, he moved to Springfield, Missouri to live with his parents, which put him right at the right place in the right time to have been involved in the disappearance of the three women. After they vanished, it was Cox's own brother who called the police and suggested he might be involved. Cox was an electrician by trade, and the police speculated that this could have given him an excuse to enter the home and scope it out in advance. It was also discovered that Cox had a connection to Stacy McCall. He'd previously worked with her father at his car lot and had likely met Stacy at some point. He might have even become obsessed with the pretty young woman. Had she been the target that night, and had Susie and Cheryl been collateral damage? We don't know. The thing is, Cox had an alibi 
for the night of the disappearances. His girlfriend said he'd been with her the entire night. Years later, though, she admitted she lied. Cox had convinced her to make up the story if the police asked where he was during that weekend in June. Her story seemed solid at the time, so the police had no choice but to let him go. But Cox found it impossible to stay out of trouble. In 1995, he was arrested for an unrelated crime. Detectives still believe he'd had something to do with the missing women and took the opportunity to question him again. Well, Cox laughed at them. He said he knew the women were dead. And he claimed he knew where their bodies were buried, but he didn't implicate himself in the crime. It was the some other guy did it defense. Well, was he telling the truth? Well, the police didn't know. Cox loved attention, and this was the perfect way to get it. He was their most promising suspect, but he wouldn't talk, and they had no hard evidence against him. Cox is currently serving a life sentence in Texas for robbery and will be eligible for parole in 2025. Today, the police remain uncertain about Cox's involvement in the crime, noting that he only tells them enough for them to believe he knows something, but never enough to incriminate himself. His last statement to the police was that he'd reveal the truth when his mother died, although that day came and went and no secrets were revealed. All we do know is that he claims the three bodies are buried somewhere in Springfield. And that's what got people so excited in 2007 when the police received a tip that the bodies of the three women were buried under the foundations of the Cox Hospital parking lot. A local TV reporter had the lot scanned with ground-penetrating radar and found three anomalies, which further stoked local excitement. But a little research could have saved the TV station a lot of embarrassment. The bodies were supposedly hidden there during the construction. But the parking garage wasn't even started until September 1993, more than a year after the disappearances. And the tip itself, well, they found out it came from someone who claimed to be psychic. Needless to say, no one was going to pay to have the garage torn down to look for bodies that almost assuredly weren't there. Now, more than three decades later, the case of the Springfield Three remains open. Tips and leads have led nowhere but to dead ends in recent years, even though theories still abound. Some say they were victims of sex trafficking, while others claim they were carried off by a satanic cult or a UFO. What happened that night in 1992? There was no sign of a struggle. They hadn't driven away. No one had seen them walking or had seen anything at all. Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl were just gone. They were declared legally dead in 1997, but the questions that linger still weigh heavily on surviving family members and on detectives who refuse to close the case. Where are the Springfield Three? After all these years, no one knows. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. 
then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words it out it's not a long one so we'll do all right all right well thanks for returning for more episodes of the american hauntings podcast where we discuss history hauntings legends lore and the dark side of american history this is season seven of the podcast which we call um gone i uh, I, I was not ready this time i apologize i was okay. not even thinking about it until you I, all of a sudden i looked at you you looked at me and i thought uh-oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, well. No, no, no. I think I think that I think that was one of your best yet. <laughs> uh, I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Hello. Troy, you said you've been hanging out, watching TV, watching movies. You see, you watch well, I was this good? evening. It's my only night off. Um, yes, I actually want. Well, actually, I'd seen it before, but I remembered not liking it very much for some reason. I don't know why. I watched that movie, um, uh, Malevolent, with uh, Florence Pugh, the girl from uh, Yes, uh, Midsommar. Yeah, and um, I, you know, she plays like a, well, first her and her brother are like fake psychics, but then she suddenly starts inheriting whatever's going on with her mother who had committed suicide. And now she can see things. And I, for whatever reason, I think I was disappointed by it the first time I saw it, but I actually liked it better this time. I was just, just watching whatever popped up. I mean, I was, <laughs> it was like, I can make no plans right now. So I have too many other plans. So when I'm loose, I just have to be like loose and free. So for yeah. one more week, <laughs> one for one, one more, more week. week. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Awesome. Uh, well, uh, speaking of one more week, um, what else you got coming up well, this week and uh, in the near future? Well, I mean, this coming up this week, I mean, tonight when people hear this, um, if they hear this, if you listen to this on, listen to this today, um, when the day it comes out, you listen to it on Tuesday. Um, tonight, I will be at my last library event of the year. And it's just sort of a uh, one I just like to revisit whenever I can. I haven't been there for a while, and that's in Carrollton, Illinois. It's a small little library. Usually we end up doing it outside <laughs> because there's too many people. So luckily, we usually get good weather, and it's supposed to be nice tomorrow. So uh, it should be fun. So I'm doing that tomorrow night. And then, of course, I guess I just have, you know, tours through the weekend um, and have a big uh, St. Louis exorcism event on Saturday night. And then my 30th anniversary haunted Decatur tour on Sunday night. And then, uh, I'm done. So I will be done for the, uh, for Halloween. I mean, it's, you know, and then next weekend I'm right back at it again, but at least it's not every night. So that's, that's the big thing. So last week I had that, um, St. Louis exorcism thing at the Wildy theater in Edwardsville. And it was insane. The, I mean, tur- we, the turnout looked, yeah. looked awesome. Yeah, it pa- we filled every seat. And then they added some, would squeeze some chairs in, and it was packed. That's but it amazing. was fun. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, it was a good time. I uh, always enjoy, I actually really enjoy doing that presentation. I like to change it up every bit, a uh, little bit here, here and there, mm-hmm. where I can. So, but yeah, yeah, it's been good. So it's been a, it's been a fun fall 95% of the time. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, <laughs> for anyone who thinks, you know, who says that line about there are no stupid questions, <laughs> I should live my life in October. But other than that, it's mm. been it's been pretty great. So I really can't complain. So and after this, it's, you know, like I said, I got some a few things here and there that aren't sold out already in November and December. The big thing being the uh, Spirits of Christmas event on the 16th of December. That's our our last big event of the year, and that's um, that's one of my favorites. I think we've talked about it before, and I won't harp on it to death. But uh, if you want to do something different for Christmas, this, this is your chance. This is definitely not you know sunshine and 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 peace in the world. Right, <laughs> it's not right. That kind of Christmas event. Uh, it's definitely the dark side of the holiday season. So if you want something different, come see me. So nice. Anyway. And that, that's going on. that's when we uh that's when we get to take a little break too from the podcast yeah, around, around that time, we right? We do, and we uh, I we have um after this we except for our our Halloween. Okay, I'm not going to count our Halloween or our year end shows. Mm-hmm. Those are our just our you know our movie ones. Other than that, we have literally three episodes left after this in this season. Nice. That that will be the end of the season. And we didn't come close to covering everything that I know that everyone wanted us to cover. But uh, like I said, I've been toying with the idea of a, uh, you know, uh, a sequel to my Without a Trace book. So I might just have to do that because uh, there's just so many. And I, I, I really keep, I really kept messing around with these last three episodes. Two of them were, were, I had to do. But mm-hmm. this third one, the 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 other one that I'm that is going to be our next episode, I I really it has been uh, six or eight different topics so far, and I keep changing it. So I'm I think I'm going to set it in stone, like 
this week so that it, I can't okay. change it again. So yeah, it's just been, there's just too many. There's just so many. And then people keep suggesting more and that, you know, so yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm taking note of that thing, guys. I'm, you know, all the stuff that you tell me, I, I am taking notes. So we'll see what happens. There's just too many people that go missing. I mean, I know that's the problem. So, I mean, that's a, it's, I, it's not, I was, it was almost, I almost said it's a good problem to have, except that's not what I meant. What yeah, I meant was yeah. when you're putting together material for a podcast or a book, but not in real life, uh -huh. obviously. Right. Obviously. <laughs> You yeah, know, not when you're not what back. I meant. That's not what I meant. Oh, I do want to plug one thing and then yeah. we'll, we'll go right into uh, the next thing our, our reviews and so our listener our texts and everything. Um, my the new episode that I, I do an annual episode with the Vogel twins mm -hmm. on their podcast every year. And uh, then the new one just went up. So it's my annual one. It's um, it's on Salem and witches and as only it can be with the Vogel twins. Mm, right. So, anyway, we, we it's if you you want to find it, you can find it on all your different you know platforms or you can just go to the website. Um, it's the Vogel and it's V-O-G-E-L. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check that out, I, I wanted to make a note and give them a plug because it was a fun podcast to do. So, yeah, they're anyway, awesome. Maybe they I, I might sorry. have to make a section on the site that's just like other places to find us. So, like, yeah, I guess, shit you do I guess. I know. Like that. I know. So, but yeah, I want, definitely wanted to push that in there. So, yeah, that's great. And when whenever yeah. they post it on, you know, Instagram or wherever, I'll make sure to share it on our stuff and okay, people can cool. find it that yeah, way. I, I, I just did. So oh, oh. we're not on, not on the podcast one, just on my own. So, right. You know. Perfect. And well, this is typically where we go into listener reviews. We've been doing something a little different, but before I forget, um, I found out the other day that if you listen to our podcast on Spotify, while you can't um, leave reviews necessarily for the show. You can leave comments on the episodes themselves. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know and, that. And a lot oh. of people have been doing that before oh. I even knew it was a thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, so, we'll have to grab some of those and we'll, uh, we'll get, we'll grab some more. I think right now we're just so excited about this text thing that I, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, because we had a really good response from it, but we'll definitely get back to doing um, listener reviews too. Um, because we, we don't want people to not leave reviews because the, the more reviews you leave, even if they're, you know, you know, made under, you know, fake names and things, you know, just to post stuff, uh, the more reviews you give us, the better it, or easier it is to find your podcast. So it exactly. really doesn't matter what they say. So, um, but I did have a couple of the people who did, you know, last time, oh, this is our, this is our, so this is our text line. Uh, oh. we have not come up with a name yet, but we're getting close and we had another good a recommendation oh, nice. I'll get to here in a minute. So if you have a comment about the show or a quick question we can answer on the show, uh, is say you can always email Cody or you can text us at 217-791-7859, which is in my opinion the bravest way to leave a review. Uh, because <laughs> you can actually, you know, you're putting you don't have to put your name on it, but you know, your number is in there. So it's not like we can't find you. Right. Uh, so if you're brave enough to leave this one, then we have great respect for you. But anyway, I've got remember really last good time at we had a, finding you people. Say? Oh, I've gotten sorry. really good at finding people just by their phone numbers. So oh, I know. Just, I just know. keep in mind, I'm, I'm yeah. a millennial who whose job yeah. it is to Google things. So yeah, that is true. Well, we did have a couple of people who we whose whose text we lost last night during our outage. Yes. Uh, that didn't 
message me back. So uh, oh, this was one of them. This was, uh, hi guys, my name is Caitlin. This one comes from the 479 area code, by the way. Uh, and she's from Arkansas. So if that answers your question where that is. Uh, my boss, Peyton, showed me your guys' podcast and I absolutely love it. You guys are constantly playing while I'm wasting hours working and I can't wait for more seasons to come out. So that was one that we lost. Um, so um, that's that's why you know, they, she, they did, she did get back to us. And, um, uh, and then I also had the, the, uh, I had the Bob from Connecticut. That's the 860 area code. Uh, he was the one he's what it said. So is this a haunted text, a hexed, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, love you guys just signed up for the Patreon today. Keep up the good work. And that's from Bob Z. Um, so he was one that we had also lost. So, um, anyway, this is, uh, this is a new one though. And actually, I should start with the oldest ones. Um, okay, so this comes from the uh, 910 area code. And this one says, just want to share that your podcast is fantastic. Can't believe I'm just about caught up. Are you able to point me in any directions for information on stories in Massachusetts, the Dartmouth, New Bedford, Fall River area? Um, let me think. Yeah, um, I know there are some authors who do stuff out in that way. Sam uh, Bellatrice uh, does a lot of books out in the Massachusetts area. Uh, just, you know, I would say just jump onto Google, text that and see what authors come up. But that's that's the first name that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I can think of anything else, uh, we'll definitely uh, I'll definitely put something out there. Um, I, I just I don't know off the top of my head. Um, so this one is uh, from the 203. Oh, this is our other suggestion for a name for our text. Okay. Uh, it's from the 203 area code. And this is uh, Matt here. Caught wind of the show about a year ago and only have one regret. I'm caught up and can no longer binge. <laughs> I know Aww. that was. You guys are awesome. And yes, I'm in the minority that thinks your back and forth is hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Listening yes. to you guys is like hanging out in my basement and shooting the shit with a couple of buddies. So how about this text account being called the dead drop? The dead drop. Okay. I like that one. So we're going to put that in the, we're going to put that in the pot. Ooh, so I like that. I do too. like that one. Uh, that's got a nice uh, ominous feel to it. So, okay. So this one is from the 618 area code. It's also from Jason. Uh, he put his name in here and he says, I love the show became a Patreon member. I, it's something I'm addicted to listening to. Have started the HH home season again, just due to it being so damn interesting. So that's from Jason. So that's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, this is one from the 516 area code. Uh, this was this is one I think this is for you. Um, and it's uh, from Steph in the 516. And uh, it says, hashtag, listen to the end. And it says, hello, happen to enjoy the extended instrumental outro, outro at the end of the Changeling episode. Uh, pleasant surprise. I didn't want to text her back and tell her that you fell asleep and forgot to turn it <laughs> off because uh, I think that's what happened. Just kidding. So, no, I noticed uh, I, I noticed honestly last time with, with that one that I had like an extra 30 seconds or whatever of the song. Usually I faded yeah. out, but it just yeah. ended and, and it I was just like, kept going. I, heard, I, did hear it too. I know. 
I know. So this one's coming from the 917 area code. This one's from Tina in the 917. And it says, hi, Troy and Cody. Great to have this text capability and reaching out to you. Love the podcast. Look forward to new episodes. In a recent episode, someone asked about New Orleans. There's a podcast and a Facebook page called Beyond Bourbon Street. And I have seen that. Hmm. Uh, it answers questions about safety and coming to NOLA. So uh, just so people know, that's a kind of a safety question thing. Good place to look for answers there. So oh, that's great. check that out. It's the Beyond Bourbon Street Facebook page. Um, keep up the great podcasts. Happy October uh, from Tino. Uh, let's see. Um, this one is coming from the 865 um, area code. And this one says um, Tori, but I'm pretty sure they mean Troy. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> it's better than Tony or Tim or Ted. So uh, we grew up. It, we grew up in a wonderful time. I'm glad my children were able to be feral. Yes, because we were talking about you know all the stuff about just going out and running wild. Right, we lived right. on a dead end road and farm. Thanks for the wonderful podcast. Been a fan for a long time pre podcasting. So yeah, so that was pretty funny. Oh, I definitely like that one. So um, this one is coming from an old friend here, uh, 785 area code, but it's from Diana oh, in Kansas. Diana. It says, I usually reach out to you guys via Twitter, but I thought I would use the hext line. Oh, she's using it. Oh, putting it into use to tell everyone how much I love this podcast. I'm a county historical society director and I and and she doesn't mention this, but also an author. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I appreciate your efforts to frame ghost legends with history and humanity. As for the local disappearance that metaphorically haunts Northeast Kansas, it's the 1980s disappearance of Randy Leach. His mother is still waiting for news. Thanks again for what you do. And Diana mentioned that to me via Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. that this was one that we should think about, but we ran out of time, but definitely, um, definitely I'll, I'll be doing something with it. So, all right, this one's comes from the, I have a couple left here. Sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, 859 area code. This is Alaric. Uh, my name is Alaric. I have been listening to your podcast for about a month now. Haven't done the Patreon stuff yet, but I like what I've heard so far. I was also hoping to get your lights to flash on and off. LOL. I work night shifts, so I figured it was a perfect time to send this text. Oh, I think that was because whenever I said initially that whenever you get a text message, your lights will flash on and off to like oh, wake, yeah. wake you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I do not. I do not want to do that. Good God. Um, okay, so um, this one is from the 520. Uh, this is from Beth in the 520. It says, I wanted to let you know my son Samuel is currently in Illinois in Navy boot camp. He's scheduled to graduate on November 30th, and we've already got flights, hotels, et cetera, booked. Unfortunately, we won't have time to visit Alton. No, because you are on the other end of the state because you're up by Great Lakes. Uh, we are, however, staying a couple of nights at the Congress Plaza Hotel, which is the mm -hmm. most haunted hotel in Chicago. One of my favorite haunted hotels in the whole country. Uh, we'll also explore Chicago with our sailor in town before he ships out to sub school. Keep up the great work as always, Beth. So, yeah, that, that's very cool. Very cool. And we uh, we look forward to hearing about your experiences there, if you have any, yeah. uh, because it is a definitely a spooky place. Um, so this is um, this is actually got a couple of texts from this person. This is in the 217 area code, which is central Illinois. Uh, Cody and Troy, I am loving the podcast. I've not heard anything that bothers me, squeaky chairs or anything of the like. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks for putting it out. Aww. Can't wait to see. Come see another presentation. Keep up the fabulous work. Uh, that's from Leah in the 217. She's also, do you know about the castle in Peoria? 
Are there any hauntings connected to it? Now, I don't know of a castle in Peoria. Um, I, I, just, I just don't know about it. There may, there may be something. Um, or I don't know of anything called the castle. There used to be um, a hotel that was a castle place, but I'm not sure. She might be talking about um, up that coming around or... from... Well, no, that was down by us. That wasn't Peoria. But there is one up in the Quad Cities that actually is a castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's the one. Um, so... I don't know for sure, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll see um, what comes up from that. Maybe we'll hear something else. Reach back out, let us know some details, and uh, I can definitely look into it. So, all right, so that's it. I will not uh, I will not keep you any longer with all of our hexts, or uh, <laughs> if that's what we call it, or dead drop or dead letters, or I don't know. Uh, so we'll just have to see. Anyway, I all love right. it. I love it. It seems, I mean, people seem to be responding positively to just being able to send a text and not. Yeah, have it's to kind like, of fun. You know, it is you know, fun. iTunes it, it's it up. sort of. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of, um, you know, it, it makes it a lot less hassle for people. People who don't listen on iTunes were always, you know, would always complain about, well, I had to create an account. <laughs> I don't even listen on here, but, you know, so I think that maybe makes it a little easier. So, and I, th- I think about the times where like, I actually want something and it's probably free and I still won't create an account because I'm just like, this is too much. Hassle. I know. And people well, it's are not, doing yeah, it to leave us a review. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not only, it's a, not only a hassle, but then you end up getting like text messages from them and, and an email every, you know, four hours. And it's like, I, it was free. I just, yeah. I just wanted to get, you know, right. that's all I wanted. And now exactly. I can't make it stop. So, which we're not going to do that, but still I could see where it would be a hesitation. So. Yeah. And, and I'm sure maybe eventually we'll come up with um, e- either like, you know, this week it's um, this week it's text messages, or maybe we'll start doing a healthy mix of here's Spotify yeah. reviews and sure. some cool text. And yeah. A, we can do that too. Yeah. We'll, I don't we'll want to figure something out. I don't want to, 30 minute, you know, answering texts, but it's just kind of fun at the moment because we just started it. Yeah, but, it's, it's uh, fun. but yeah, feel free to feel free to drop us a text. We, you know, we've got extra episodes right now. So we've got <laughs> we've got time. It's Halloween. So yeah, after that, it may take us a little longer. <laughs> so, yes. All right, man. Okay. Um, so June 6th, 1992. This one's different because three people go missing. Right. Right. Um, have we have we done one yet where it's more than just one person? I, you really know, I don't. Missing? Well, other than like you know the 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 crew and passengers of the oh sure last are, sure you know, but I don't think you know quite like this. No, in the three young women who disappeared, uh, Lake Michigan, the on the boat. Oh, you know, it was okay. those three girls. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so but it wasn't said- a mom and a daughter and a daughter's friend. So right, that's a little odd. Well. Too. Yeah, no. you said there. Yeah, you said there's no such thing as dumb questions, and I just asked a dumb question. But, no, it's, but such, I, it's not a dumb. It's not dumb. Like, question. But I just that time, it, it's easy to not remember everything we've done this season. It has been an entire year. That's almost, true. So it's true. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, two Missouri teens and their mother, um, Springfield, Missouri. You mentioned uh, it was a time of it was a time of big blowout hair, mullet, scrunchies, track shoots, track suits, baggy jeans, and Motley Crew. And I just said, I'm so glad that i was like three or four like <laughs> yeah because yeah, this is a yeah. time i would not have minded like just missing yeah, yeah. um but although, i also had to take a little dig there too you know yeah you know course. hey nirvana and pearl jam they're gonna take a little longer to get to south west missouri than right, you know right. motley crew so 
You right. <laughs> I did. I. It's so funny though, because I did go from like baggy jeans and jinkos to like oh, pants. Gosh. Now that if I wash them and dry them too much, then I have to like. It's really yeah. hard to like get yeah. them. To go, like my skinny uh-huh. jeans are just right. It's funny how times and fashion <laughs> change. change. Yes. Um. Okay. So Susanna Streeter, nineteen. Stacy McCall, eighteen. They just graduated from Kickapoo High School, uh, and their their plan is to go. I'm guessing to an after party. But they decide instead to go back to Susie's house where her mother Cheryl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheryl went, Levitt lives. Yeah, they went to Janelle's house and they were going to, it when then there was a party going on there, but they were going to spend the night at Janelle's house because they were all going together to the water park mm-hmm, the next mm-hmm. day. And but there were too many people staying at Janelle's house, so they decided to go home. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm I mean, I don't know what high school graduation parties were like back then. I can imagine they weren't too different than high school graduation yeah Yeah, i'm sure ridiculousness um so normally i would say they made the right decision but (laughs) i know well and as it turned out no yes um all their belongings end up being found at cheryl's house so it's assumed that they did make it there Uh, but there's there's some weird things so we know that they disappeared sometime between 2 a.m and 7 a.m because the friends go to look for them like you said they were all going to go do something and doing just the uh probably what i would have done the nice thing is just oh there's broken glass everywhere let's kind of sweep this up a little bit and not maybe unknowingly you know messing up some of the crime scene um they go on in and so correct me if i'm wrong you said janelle notices that the family dog cinnamon is behaving oddly because it's is it being caught i'm confused as no the, she said the dog was seemed agitated like agitated. it was upset yeah like okay. it, the dog was it was a little out of sorts probably needed to go outside would be right. my guess because no one had put the dog out at any point and it was just the whole thing was just odd you know and yeah. the house was empty which was weird. I mean, and you know, clothes left around and stuff, but the house was empty, the dog, and they were supposed to all leave together. Right. And so, you know, you've got the dog acting weird, nobody's in the house. And then of course the telephone rings, but you know, I mean, these are, these are kids who are close friends, you know, with, you know, she's Janelle, you know, knows Cheryl and, and the, the other girls are, are, you know, good friends. And so it's not out of the ordinary. I mean, we had, I mean, I, you know, grew up around people like, you know, phone rang, they answered it because they yep. thought, well, if for all we know, it's, they know we're, you know, probably coming here and called, who knows, mm-hmm. you know, so she answers the phone and, and gets, you know, what she assumes is just a prank call, but it, it's unsettling enough that, you know, they left, you right. know, but weren't completely freaked out, not I, yet anyway. I so. think what I think happened, I think part of my note got cut off because it says uh, J- Janelle notices that the family dog cinnamon um is acting strange because it was behaving and then that from my note cuts off so that i thought you meant like the dog's being really nice and chill so so now now this makes more sense um yeah and as far as the phone call coming through you i know there were there are two of them um is this is this a um a zodiac golden state killer sort of thing do you think it's a coincidence yeah i don't know i mean it just seemed like an odd time of day to be making you know dirty prank phone calls you know what i mean yeah it almost seemed like there was a reason for it but i mean how would they know well i don't know if it was somebody connected to this you know some if it was a kidnapping it was somebody connected to the kidnapping why would they call the house 
right there's no believe it would be there so that doesn't make sense that's a good that's you know? also a good so point. i don't know you do know, you that, think i wouldn't think there's a link but on the other hand it just seems like weird timing could i mean could they in in 1992 like couldn't they kind of trace numbers and things oh sure well then? i mean there was caller id back then and sure caller id in the 80s if you had the little box that came with it you know uh-huh. you put next to your phone line because i mean they did have an answering machine with a tape in it because uh you know um <laughs> um janice that ends up actually susie's i mean they're the, janice ends up accidentally erasing it so, yes yeah yes yeah um, um yeah so yeah stacy's mother eventually comes over uh notices that all three of the purses are lined up yeah that which is weird that is very weird and i'm and i'm thinking if everything's still in there it's not i'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this and maybe this is one of the things where it's a, some kind of psychopath or something and i can't get into that yeah, mindset yeah but it, it, but it just seems seems very odd um that how that would happen um again like you said she accidentally deletes a voicemail that could have been a clue maybe not who knows yeah, it's hard to say but back then yeah yeah it had a little tape in it and it would just erase it you know yeah. it would just tape over it you know so i i don't know um the mess whatever the message was it got lost yeah so and it had to have come in between the time when janelle and her boyfriend left and then janice showed up mm-hmm. so and all for all we know it was just that you know the perv calling back sure you know <laughs> making more dirty comments and left them on the answering machine this time it's hard to say i mean it, what's impossible to say because they never found anybody who why they didn't check the but I don't see I've never seen any record or any notes that anyone checked with the phone company mm-hmm. to see where the calls came from, which could have been done. But I've never found that they ever did that. I've right. never seen it anywhere. So. Well, it also seems strange to me. You said like to sum it up from my understanding is like the police kind of take their time, but the media doesn't and kind yeah, of dubs right. them the Springfield three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of. Then, then they go ham trying to trying to figure this out. Keys to all the cars are in the house. There's no signs of robbery. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the van incident that was a, a tip that came <sighs> yeah, in? Yeah, the thing, yeah, there were, you know, I mean, when the police finally did bother to get involved, they didn't even show up to the next day, um, you know, and I guess just because nothing seemed to be missing. You know what uh-huh. I mean? I mean, no foul play. Really. Yeah, there was no sign that there was anything that had happened. I mean, there was the broken glass, which they'd already cleaned up, but that was it. I mean, there wasn't any signs of violence, any blood, anything like that. So they just weren't really that interested. They probably had a lot on their hands with all these kids graduating from school. But yeah, you're right. It was Janice who was the one who really uh, when you know, along with the press who really jumped all over this thing. But so they had people who were calling in tips, mostly thanks to the flyers, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, Janice printed 20,000, 20,000, yeah, which is a lot back then. I mean, that's a lot of copies, you yeah. know, with your copy machine or whoever she wherever she got it done. Uh, but there was someone who claimed that they saw this green Dodge van on June 7th near the house. And they claimed that they saw Susie driving the van, didn't see anybody else, but overheard a male voice inside the van telling her not to do anything stupid. And then another witness also reported a blonde female driver at a local grocery store 
and in the van, but that she acted so strange that he wrote down the license plate number on a piece of newspaper and then fucking lost it before he <sighs> gave it to the police. So uh, almost as slick as the, you know, accidentally erasing the message <laughs> right. on the answering machine. So, right. And, you know, there was a lead that came in from a waitress who claimed that all three women had been at a steakhouse and t- why there's a steakhouse open at 3 a.m. I have that, no idea. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense that it would have been the night before during the time when, you know, between two and seven, which is the timeline where somewhere they disappeared and that, you know, claimed that, you know, Susie seemed drunk and her mom was, I think they must, that sounds to me like something mistaken them for somebody else, Sure, you know, and getting excited because they saw it on the news and remembered there would have been a couple of people in or something. I don't know. That one's just seems so odd. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they ended up on America's most wanted and there were 29 tips. Um, only one of them seemed credible. And, uh, but then when they, the detectives asked for the guy's name, he hung up and never called back. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Um, well, with the van, with the van thing too, um, I guess like I guess the windows were rolled down. If yeah, it's a funky, a, well, it's a funky looking van. Um, I I just I sent you a photo of it. You haven't seen them yet. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so I sent up. over a photo of the van just because it's not, it's not, it was not a new van. I mean, you you picture it to be like you know like a. <laughs> a white windowless child molester looking van and it's yeah. not it's something that would catch your eye which is what's odd about it you know i mean i could guess i guess i could understand what the guy who wrote the the plate number down on a piece of newspaper noticed the van but then of course lost the paper so it didn't matter but i can see why he noticed it because it is kind of an odd looking van but that's the description they were given they were able to match it to a type of van but not a, not not match it enough that in southwest missouri they could track it down you know, uh, yeah i guess think of an area and you got the ozarks down there. there's a lot of you know yeah it's meth central down there and there's out in the woods and i mean it's it's a you know it's a pretty remote area or can be parts of it anyway well i guess why i, why I was asking about the windows being rolled down sort of thing is if, if the person heard this guy saying things yeah, well, I mean, it was June, and it doesn't based on okay, the, okay. based on the looks of the van, probably doesn't have air conditioning, um, sure, sure. Okay. or the type of van that it was. So, I mean, and if she was doing something or you know seemed to react in a way, and he said that loud enough, yeah, okay, you'd hear it, man. So, that's, I think that's probably part of it too. Fair enough. Um, and you said forty-eight hours, even tried to get involved, but yeah. Still, no. still nothing. Yeah, but, they tried everything. I mean, they shadowed the cops as they were looking, but I mean, you know, it didn't, you know, it just went on and on. And then finally, after five years, they just said, yeah, we can't, we can't justify this anymore and gave up. What do you, you know? I mean, do? it's still an open case. I mean, the, the posters, I mean, the, all the info is still out there. I've seen like aged progression photos of what they might look like now and things like that. But I mean, you know, nobody's heard from them since 1992. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, you know, we're talking 31 years now. Yeah, it seems hard to believe that if they were going to turn up, they, you know, would turn up now, rather than, you know, 15, 20 years ago or more. Do uh, do the do, do you know if the rules or laws or anything? Do, does it change about declaring people legally dead if they're minors versus if they're 
I don't oh. think so. I th- but as far as I know, it's seven years, no matter uh-huh. what, um, that, you know, they can just be declared legally dead. And sometimes, you know, they'll be extenuating circumstances where they will do it earlier than that. But for the most part, it's seven years. That seems to be the standard. Uh, but I think in this particular case, I don't think there was really much of an estate here. I'm sure that Cheryl had, you know, some things. I mean, they had the house and, you know, uh, and things, but I, you know, probably there were relatives. Well, I know there were relatives because they're still looking, you know, so I know that there were relatives that were still around and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that once it was settled, it was settled, but yeah, I don't think there's any difference as far as age goes. Got it. So there were some suspects, I guess you you call them. uh, Yeah. Some better than others. Yeah. Yeah. So Cheryl's son, Bart, um, didn't really pan out uh yeah. none of, also none of these people like i can see why they're all suspects because yeah i mean this guy was a you know i mean he was i mean he passed a polygraph steps and stuff but he was you know he was a druggie you know who'd been in all kinds of trouble and been in and out of rehab and all kinds of stuff and you know so i he think he was a troublemaker you know yeah. what i mean in town, yeah though. i mean he had a lot of people that you know that were problematic and and he remained problematic i put in that note about him being arrested in 2019 uh, and what happened there. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, you know, I don't want to sit and say that I'm sure he was there, you know, picking up a 15 year old, but I mean, it, it that's the way it came across to everyone right. who was there in the salon, uh, but he was drunk. So whatever happened, who knows, but yeah. um, he was yeah. ruled out, but they did drag him back in again. Yeah, they thought it was a good opportunity to question him again about the 1992 disappearance, but it didn't go anywhere. So, you know, yeah, it's Susie's ex-boyfriend, Dustin Reckla. Um, But it's not that simple. He's he's involved in he's also involved in criminal activity. But it doesn't really seem like it would necessarily fit with. No, not really. And the other no, people. I mean, he just it was just he seen, you know, he was suspicious, maybe, you know, I mean, he, you know, was a bad character. He was involved with this gang, you know, maybe, you know, they had something to do with it. I mean, but nobody could ever really come up with anything. Right. I don't think it was. I mean, as I said here, you don't normally kidnap and murder people for a, for a crime that's going to get you probation. It's not, you know, I mean, if he committed a murder or something and they testified against him, I could see. But, you know, all they did was steal. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. Not that I'm encouraging people to go out and rob graves and steal jewelry. But let's be honest, this is not exactly the crime of the century here. And, you know, he there there was no connection to, you know, violence or, you know, sex trafficking or anything else. He was just just a, you know, just just dumb shit. You know, it was just a local hood. And and obviously, you know, Susie's taste in men, uh, probably the tree, you know, the apple didn't far, far from the tree because yeah. mom didn't have the best track record either. So, you know, and then they got this brother who's in there to well. So I think that, you know, they're just kind of on the edges of, of people that get in trouble, you know. And so, I mean, I'm not blaming them by any means. It's not right. But and these guys you know, didn't, I don't think probably had anything to do with it. And yet they became, you know, the, the usual suspects, I'm sure the cops mm-hmm. rounded them up, you know? Yeah. Uh, we talked about um, Gerald uh, Carnahan, who was arrested for a different crime and then maybe a serial killer. Uh, I've never heard. Yeah, of- I don't know, man. You know, he, uh, his whole thing, it's, 
you know, it, it was a crime that that went unsolved for 25 years and they got him on DNA. Um, you know, he raped and murdered somebody and, you know, had, had been convicted of this already for an attempted kidnapping before the three ladies disappeared. So, you know, but he pled guilty to burglar. I mean, this guy is a scumbag. I mean, yeah. he had a family who got him out of trouble, paying people off and stuff. And, you know, I don't know if I don't know that there's any certain links to anything, but, you know, he definitely looks bad. Mm -hmm. You know, because he was around and he was on the scene when all this stuff happened. But I don't know. It's a little different kidnapping three women than, you know, kidnapping slash raping one, you know, um, and committing murders. And I, I don't know, man. Um, he's just um, I don't know. He's just <laughs> just kind of an odd duck. And he's one of the only suspects, I think, really, that seems substantial. Sure. You know, because you can get into this other deal with Larry Dwayne Hall and his brother, Gary. And I don't know if you have seen and listen, I highly recommend if you want to see more about this guy. There is a series on Apple Plus right now called Blackbird. Uh -huh. um, and it is about a kind of a just a party guy in the 90s. It ended up getting busted and, and going to jail on some federal crimes. And they give him the opportunity to find out where this Larry Hall has, they believe he's a serial killer, but they want to know where he's put the bodies because they can't find them. So this kid has to get close to him. And it's a true story. I mean, it's based on a true story. And it's it's how they ended up getting the information from Larry Hall that they ended up getting out of him. And I'm, the guy who plays him in the show is not only does he look exactly like the real Larry Hall, he's scary. Really? really scary. It's like when we remember when Mindhunter, did you watch Mindhunter? I did. On Netflix. Remember the guy that played, um, oh God, the, what's the, the big really guy? big guy? Yeah, the big guy. And he looks just like him and yes. he plays him to a T. That's how this is. Right. Uh, but I, I highly recommend this series. It's just called Blackbird. And it's that Taron, um, ah, shoot. He's in these, uh, the Kings, you know, the King, um, the Kings agents whatever it is it's like a james bond spoof thing oh taron edgerton yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's he's in it he plays the the young guy who ends up going to prison and you know has to get this information out of him and he's really great it's a great series but that's it'll give you a better look at who larry hall was and then and why people would suspect him of being involved in this um but i don't know man um you know we'll never know this guy lies all the time and uh, him taking these three women like this and then hanging around the area just doesn't really fit his M.O., as I mentioned in the thing. So, I mean, it's a really big if on these guys. And that's that's only because people suspect there are a lot more victims than the cops know about. Right. And so, you know, it's it's easy to just to go by the, you know, the the serial killer who happened to be in the area, you know, right. so I don't know. Um, the other big, you know, and the, the really big real possibility is this Robert Cox. Um, I think he is probably more so than anybody else. Um, you know, he, he really, um, I don't know, man, he's, he's got a connection to Stacy, uh, because he worked at the car lot where her dad, you know, that her dad ran and he was an electrician. So they thought, well, maybe it's got it, you know, he could be, 
involved in this. And he had been arrested and convicted uh, in California for trying to abduct two women and was sent to nine years in prison. But then he got out uh, only because that, you know, they couldn't really prove it. And then he gets released from prison and is sent right to Springfield, Missouri. Uh, so he was in the right place at the right time. Here's a guy that's a creep who we know abducts women. He's got a connection to Stacy. Mm -hmm. um, he had an alibi for the night of the disappearances, but um, years later, the girlfriend that was given him the alibi admits that she lied because he threatened her and told her that he needed one. Um, so, you know, he, he always, you know, would kind of laugh at the cops and never admit to anything. Um, he always used that, as I like to call it, the some other guy did it defense. Uh -huh. You know, oh, well, it wasn't me, but I know something. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's in Texas, um, since, uh, you know, serving a life sentence uh, for robbery. And but he'll be eligible for parole in two years. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's going to get out. But he keeps saying that he's going to, you know, he told the police, he'd tell them what was going to happen, you know, what really happened when his mom died, but his mom has since died and he's still never told anything. So I don't know, man. Um, it's, uh, he just says they're, they're buried somewhere in Springfield. Right. You know, so, and I remember a couple of years ago when people got really excited because they thought that for some reason that the bodies were underneath the, the parking garage of a hospital in town. Yeah. And they, you know, they had a reporter who went in with the ground penetrating radar and all this kind of stuff. And, and people got really excited, but then, you know, somebody went, well, wait a minute, that <laughs> garage was even there. I yeah. mean, they weren't even building it. They didn't even start building it until a year after the women disappeared. So that didn't make any sense. So there's a lot of crazy stuff about this story. Um, I just don't, I don't know, man. I just don't ever see it really getting solved. I just don't. Uh, Ed Kemper. That was who we were thinking. Ed of Kemper. Too. That's right. 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 Yeah. He By was, uh, yeah. Who, you know, people don't even realize they've heard because he did so many audio books and things, hundreds of audio. Books I, I know. Because his, yeah. Right. Because his voice was so soothing, you know, and it's like, Jesus, I mean, the, the story of this guy is, ins I mean, he really is insane. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm always going to be angry about Mindhunter because we never got our third season. Oh. They spent the whole second season building up to BTK and then canceled it i know still and makes me mad i know they've tried to shop it around but i think with rights issues and stuff i don't I yeah don't i don't think so either happen. i think they can yeah i don't think they can <sighs> it's too bad yeah because uh david fincher was like guys it's not gonna happen i'm sorry but it's right. not gonna happen and but you never say never you know right uh, i mean i was a diehard fan of deadwood i watched all three seasons and like what was it 12 years later we finally got the you know to uh, the closer yeah. of the series so i mean you know never say never it could happen i doubt it but it could so. it could um <laughs> well i mean there's uh, one thing i'm trying to figure out is um any kind of motive there's it's not a robbery didn't no, seem yeah, like there, there is no motive other than just to either thrill kill these women rape them and kill them and bury them somewhere or to kidnap them and put them, you know, get them, uh, traffic them, you know, yeah. somehow, which I could see with the two young girls, probably not with the 47 year old mom though. Yeah. I mean, maybe she just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, if, I mean, I guess for all we know, I mean, we, you know, we talked about 
you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about Amy Lynn Bradley and, you know, that's a, all those people who thought that they had seen her, you know, afterward, um, you know, so I suppose it's possible, but I don't think after 30 years, they're not going to, you know, these girls are going to be her mom's age now. I mean, yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. So I don't know. I, I think they're probably, I don't know if I had to pick any one suspect, you know, it would be, it would be that Cox guy. I mean, yeah. he's the one who seems the sketchiest, but on the other hand, he just also seems to love attention. And I think that by, you know, I don't know, maybe in 2025, we're going to hear his parole is going to come up and he's going to start with this. Well, you know, if I could get parole, I'll tell you what I know. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, is he telling the truth or is this guy just a liar? I mean, how many times, how many stories have we talked about? Remember the Helen Brock case? How many people lied? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, I know something. I know where she's at. And no one ever knows. You know, yeah. we got all these stories. None of them make sense. They don't match up. Oh, we got mobsters. Oh, yeah. But those guys are buried in a cornfield in Indiana. They don't have anything to do with this. Right. And it's just crazy stuff, you know. So Well, if he, if that ends up happening in 2025, we can do a Patreon follow-up. We or will something. do a follow-up. Yeah. Up, a follow-up. <laughs> follow-up. You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um okay is there anything else you want to go over with this case there's no i think not good, a lot man. no it's there's nothing left it's not <laughs> a long episode <laughs> no so. um okay well i wanted to give a quick shout to our patreon subscribers for se- so thank you so much for supporting the show to Teresa, peyton and vicky i really appreciate it um i know there's some people that i've missed in some of my emails but i'm about to do an audit and go back yeah and yeah see. i know there's probably Ooh, some I, more because we every once in a while we'll get just a big flood and then we'll just get a few but uh if you're wondering what we're talking about with the patreon if you didn't hear at the beginning of the podcast we are closing in actually we are starting to get closer toward the end of our season on hh homes we're not there yet but we're starting to get closer um so if you are interested in hearing uh sinister the true story of hh homes just sign up for our patreon uh be a supporter uh we always really appreciate it and i've got some pretty cool things planned for the next couple of seasons. So we're, we're really, I'm, that's going to just keep on going. So if you want to check it out, check out the, uh, the two seasons we already have and the, you know, the season we've already got going on, on HH Holmes. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash American hauntings. Uh, also don't forget, use the uh, podcast uh, promo code when you're shopping with AmericanHauntings.net or with AmericanHauntingsClothing.com. Um, because that code will save you 10% on everything you use. And I actually had someone fill out an order the other day and then put on the order form, could not find the coupon codes. Okay, the coupon code, that's all you got to do is put it in. Podcast, that's it. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We got that's you. That's the code. That's all you got to put in where it asks for a promo code, stick it in there. And uh, that'll automatically get you 10% off. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do when you go ahead and place the order and you know, didn't put it in. I don't, right. I don't know how. I can't do anything then. So it's too late. So don't don't be someone who's too late. You know, you like so many people late. who tried to sign up for so many events this fall, they're too late because they're sold out. But we still have a few things left. So if you're still thinking you'd like to do something, Man, now is the time. And that's the last time I'm going to bring that up because I cannot, I cannot help more than that. I cannot. 
I get it. So. <laughs> uh, well, it is now time for our Ghostwriter segment. So if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at AmericanHauntingsPodcast at gmail.com. This email comes to us from Cheryl, and it is titled The Beauregard Keys House. It says, I'm finally getting to listen to the podcast again. I stopped in the New Orleans season. Life has been crazy, which I totally understand. Um, <laughs> I'm now working at home, so no interruptions when listening. And then in all caps, love this episode. Several points hit home. Uh, we had a blue tick beagle who was a natural rabbit dog. He was also my husband's best friend. His registered name, Rebels General Beauregard. Uh, <laughs> he was named for the general. Bo passed in 2018. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but I still hear his nails on the stairs and the floor when I think about him. Could be my imagination, but I like to think he's still watching over us. I love the historical aspect of the podcast as well as the ghost stories. You do indeed dig into the backstory. I've learned a lot about our favorite city from listening to you. Last time we were there, I even tried uh, I tried even tried a Sazerac at the Absinthe House. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very good cocktail. Thank you for all the hard work. I have plenty to catch up on. Cool. Um, did I try one of those? I can't remember. I don't what remember. I've tried when. Um, I don't know that you have. Um, uh, it's um, it's a good one to try. Um, yeah. we went to the last time we were down there. We went to the Sazerac Distillery and oh, did a okay. tour. Nice. Uh, and you can get hammered on that. I mean, because it's <laughs> you just have to be twenty one. It's all free. And then every different section, they give you samples of whatever it is they have. And then, of course, if people don't like them, they just hand them to whoever wants them. And uh, Chris, <laughs> my buddy Chris and I were taking everyone's extras. So, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we had to go somewhere afterward. And I'm like, how far is this place? <laughs> so but it's a really it, I, I do highly recommend it. It's an awesome museum and distillery. And so it's a lot of fun. But the Sazerac, the, the actual drink, the Sazerac, I don't remember if you have or not, but you, it was, it's kind of the reddish color and it had a twist of a lemon in it, just dropped in it. Oh, I can't yes, remember. Yes, I don't remember you having they all one. They all blend together. No, it's, yeah, once you have enough absinthe, you don't notice anything else anyway. Sure. So it's, that's all it takes, so. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad you liked that episode. I, I missed the New Orleans ones. They were a lot of fun. Uh, I liked being able were, to tie them all into different foods and drinks and the history of it behind it. So, yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a fun season to do. And some, some, I, I know I've said this about the movies and stuff, but someday I will also probably just make a New Orleans guide page as well because oh, we, yeah. get, we get the most questions about that. And I think oh, we have we a do. lot of great ideas. And I'll, I'll even yeah. include links to like that Facebook page you were talking about and safety oh, yeah. things and all that. Sure. Sure. Um, one day, whenever um, I have well, safety, really is just don't look like a tourist. That's don't, number one on your list. Yeah, don't um, look like a tourist. Don't step in. <laughs> don't step in any puddles. Never step in any puddles on the street in the um, of the French Quarter because that's not water. Just yeah, so you know, if a police horse okay. is coming your way, you cannot. You, you just go the other way. That's right. You that's clear right. out of the street. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, what a great city. Uh, well, that's all I got, man. All right. Well, we'll let's uh, we'll wrap it up. I already plugged everything. The last thing I'll plug last time is uh, our text line. Uh, we don't have a name quite yet, but we're getting there. Get um, close. Yeah, if you want to send us a text, it is 217-791-7859. And we will, uh, you know, read it on the air, respond to you if it needs a response. Um, if it's uh, an emergency, 
there's not going to be anyone in the office for like the next week until Halloween is over. So don't have an emergency. So because nobody's going to see your text. So feel free to text us and we'll get back to it in our next episode, which will be on Halloween, which will be our movie episode, our our annual Halloween horror movie. Um, are we still we going to wait till uh, till we record to announce what it is or not? Oh, OK. So the theme. Yeah, the theme. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of when would be the best time. Maybe when... we should just surprise everybody with it on Halloween. What do you it think? Is. Do you I think so? It's up to you. Um, uh, what? Mm. Do, okay, I'm trying to remember what we did in previous years. I know. I don't remember either. But I think in previous years, though, it wasn't anything. Spe- we were, I mean, I think religious horror is what we did last year, right? Yeah. yeah. And then before that, we were just doing decades. You know, we were doing the uh, best of the 2000s, best of the 90s. So <sighs> this is kind of a different theme. I mean, I say year, I don't remember what we did. So. I say we wait. So that okay. way they might, if they're not interested, they might still accidentally download it first. Okay, that works. We, we get right, that so, number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think they're all going to love it. I've already been doing a lot of my rewatches. Um, yeah, I did it's, too. It's been a lot of fun. I still it got is a cu- fun. couple to go, but uh, yeah, um, I've seen <laughs> I've seen all of them now. I'm just doing some rewatches for things I haven't seen for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, um, it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. So, all right, man. Well, let's wrap it up then. So all right. We'll uh, move on to next week. All right. Well, this episode of the American Hauntings podcast was written by Troy Taylor and it was produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends, neighbors and random people on the street about it. About it. Or, and yeah, or follow. about it. They, you just tell them about it. Just walk up to people and yeah. about it. See, so just yeah. and yeah. Uh, follow us on iTunes. With you. Spotify or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. See the website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com for more info about the show, notes, photos, links, and more. Oh, we should should we at sometime change part of this to be like and sure. text us at blah, blah, Oh blah. yeah, we could probably add this in. Yeah, we should at, probably do that. At um, some point. Yeah, I'll work on it. Yeah, okay. Well we we're almost done with this season. Yeah, let's, let's do it yeah. Next. <laughs> um, or whatever. So yeah, we're, right. al- we're almost done with this season. Um, <laughs> y- you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and anywhere else that you waste hours every day when you're supposed to be working or studying. We promise that we're much more entertaining. And we, we should probably uh, change that. We need to change that promise. Well, we've but so, we but. you know what? We have had a couple emails and um reviews come in, especially lately, that have said like I've been doing I this like in, while I'm working. Yeah, while I'm working yeah, or like true. instead of doing my homework or whatever. So it's like, yeah, yeah okay. Good. Maybe yeah, we're failing people's grades and getting them fired. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We couldn't and definitely wouldn't do it without you. So until next time, goodbye. So long. See you, See you later. later. All right.